0: Hey, Under Pressure Dive Buddies. Have you ever been completely ready for a dive? You listened to the briefing and you knew exactly what you were gonna do only to submerge and think, I have no idea what's going on. Get your gear on because it's time to descend into another episode of the Under Pressure Divecast. I'm your host, Scuba Steve. Scuba diving is a fun and exciting adventure sport and take it from me, you can be a diver. And to help you get there, the (laughs) the Under Pressure Divecast is dedicated to promoting and discussing recreational scuba diving. So come on, let's make our descent. So in scuba diving news this week, uh, I found an interesting thing, and a lot of people might not might might actually already know about this. Um, I I had heard that this was a problem a while back, but I honestly didn't realize that somebody had solved it. And actually, as it turns out. Many people have solved it. And that is the, the idea that the sunscreen that is popular uh, or a lot of popular sunscreens are actually not good for our reefs. And so in areas where there are a lot of swimmers, the chemicals that are used in these sunscreens can damage the wildlife and the, and the environment that we enjoy as divers. So bottom line is you can fix that by buying reef safe sunscreen and i will post in the show notes and down below in the uh comments section or in the uh, description for this video a link to a specific place where they keep an updated list of uh, reef safe sunscreens and i'll also uh attach a link to the article that i found discussing this issue so uh that's something that was news for me if it wasn't news for you uh, but it's important to keep our reefs safe Let's get right into forgetting everything from the dive briefing. All right. So, like I said in the, in the intro, um, the, if you've been dive, if you're new to diving, you may have experienced this in your training, or you may have experienced it in your first few dives in open water. Uh, If you've been diving for a long time, maybe this has not been an issue for you for a while. I really think it's important to talk about because I I don't want you as either a prospective diver or as a diver to feel stupid, okay? And it's really easy to kind of get down on yourself if you get underwater and you forget what the dive master said. What's important is that we figure out solutions for this. Um, I I haven't talked to every diver, but I think it's pretty common for divers to have uh, issues around retaining all of the information we need from a specific dive briefing or for a specific dive, but there are things that we do about it to, uh, to mitigate that and to help us get through that. So the first thing I want to talk about is kind of where does this maybe come from and the the first thing, obviously, that might come to mind for you as, as a listener or as a, as a viewer is nerves, right? Excitement, whether it's the excitement of a dive or maybe some an, uh, anxiety or fear around the dive. And excitement can be, you know, that's really easy to, to uh, uh, kind of wrap your head around because we're, we all wanna be excited about scuba diving and the anticipation of, an, of a dive can uh, increase our anxiety level, even if it is in a positive way, or we perceive it as a positive. And then, of course, there's there's the anxiety, the what we might call negative anxiety or fear around what might be, what's down there, right? Um, fear of wildlife in the ocean is very over-exaggerated, and, and uh, we have... A lot of popular culture that continues to portray, uh, the underwater world as less safe than it really is. Um, that's not to say that there isn't a degree of, of respect that we need to have for the, for the wildlife in the underwater world, but that wildlife is not used to preying on humans or even being threatened by humans from the perspective of a one-on-one experience. Right. And I'm not talking about the environmental impact of overfishing or whatever. I'm talking about the one-on-one experience that you might have with wildlife underwater. So, so the fear of that, of, of the unknown when you're scuba diving is often uh, over-exaggerated by a mis, by the misinformation in our, in our culture. And that, I think that's really important to remember. Like I said before, you do have to respect the wildlife that's there. And there are a lot of YouTube videos and, and anecdotal stories of divers that put themselves in harm's way because they were being careless or disrespectful, or they weren't paying attention to what they were doing. And so those are very easy things to avoid. Be respectful pay attention to your environment and understand that environment, right? So that's, you know, it's totally understandable that nerves and excitement could affect the, you know, how much of a dive briefing you remember or how you're able to process that information as you're going through a dive. So, okay, there's one. The second thing is we have, when you go underwater, you have a completely new perspective of the world. And there's a lot to keep track of. And the perspective part of this is why we dive, right? We want that unique, new, exciting uh, perspective that most people don't get to see. Most people are not scuba divers. Most people aren't even snorkelers. So when you, when you get the opportunity to do those things uh, and I don't mean snorkeling around in a pool, I mean, really understanding how to snorkel in Uh, a reef or, or a freshwater environment, but this is something that is rarely experienced by people. And so that is super cool. That's why we do it, but we do have a lot to keep track of. It's a 360 degree environment, right? All around you, below you. And that's the one thing that as terrestrial animals, we generally don't have to worry about. And that is the environment below our feet. But when you're scuba diving, you have that environment as well on top of the overhead environment and everything around you in 360 degrees in all directions. So that's just that one piece is a lot to keep track of and can be unsettling. Right. Um, If you're diving in a place where you can't see the bottom that can be a very surreal and unsettling experience for a new diver. Something to think about. Something else we have to think about as divers is navigation, buddy location, buddy condition. How is your buddy? Normally when we're walking around town or whatever, there are so many uh, ways that we can tell if the people that we are with are okay. But once we're underwater, our our pool of resources for that analysis changes dramatically and it it shrinks. And so you have to understand, A, what does a stressed out diver look like? But then B, what does your buddy look like? You have a reduced field of view. You have to keep track of your air supply. You have new safety considerations, right? You have to understand how to operate your gear you have the safety of the environment, currents. If you're diving in a, uh, if you're doing a current dive, or at least if you're diving in a, in a location that has currents, which direction are they going? What are they likely to do during the time that you're diving? And then of course you have the wildlife, uh, that you have to be, uh, aware of. And, uh, you know, I was kind of in my head when I wrote my notes, I was kind of folding in the whole idea of air supply into the concept of equipment, but it's worth mentioning separately as its own thing, we have to be careful that we know how much air we have. Right. And so, uh, and then add to that, the best practices of scuba, which means your diving position, you know, how far are you away from the reef? Are you making sure that you don't damage the reef with your fins and that you, or that you don't have to grab the reef so that you don't get pulled in the wrong direction or something? Grabbing the reef is, an emergency only kind of thing because you can damage some of the, some of the, the wildlife there. So all of those things are wrapped up into a new experience that you have to keep track of when you're diving. And so when I, when I experienced this, uh, as a new diver, I was fortunate enough to have very good instructors who kind of worked through it with me. Um, And then uh, I, I, when I started instructing, when I was a a dive control specialist or an assistant instructor, um, I mentioned it to uh, a dive instructor and he had uh, a very simple way to describe our cognitive ability while we're diving. And I don't want to portray this as hundred percent true, or this is the way it is, but it does give you a really good structure, a guideline, to kind of assess where you might be on a continuum from a fully capable uh, diver to a person who should be getting out of the water, right? Cognitively incapable of making good decisions. Um, and he basically portrayed it in this simple way as one Martini per atmosphere. And for people under 21, this is maybe going to be less, uh, uh, poignant, but, um, I think it, it, it's something that can make sense even at the surface. Let's just imagine that putting on your gear puts you at one atmosphere or one Martini because you have the pre-dive anxiety potentially. And you have a lot to think about just getting your gear ready, right? 15 feet. That's another martini. 30 feet, another martini. So you're three martinis in by 30 feet, which is pretty significant. So I'm sorry. 33 feet is the second martini. 66 feet is your third martini. So, and, and so the I got a safety stop confused in there and I'm not sure what that's about, but we won't worry about that. So your first Martini surface, second Martini 33 feet, 66 feet, third Martini most people probably not on their best cognitive behavior at this point, which is why the normal recreational limit has been changed to 60 feet. The next one, 99 feet, you can pretty much assume, that at 99 feet you're experiencing nitrogen, nitrogen narcosis, which I might be experiencing right now. The, the point here is, and probably earlier, actually, you're, um, you can attribute the changes in your cognitive ability potentially to the effects of nitrogen narcosis, but also to the distance you are from your normal environment, right? Because if you're at 15 feet, and you're, you're scuba diving around it's pretty easy to say okay i'm not very far away i've got a lot of light i'm very safe my anxiety level is okay you get down to 99 feet the light level is much different you're much further from safety and your the the changes to the gas consumption has changed if you've been to 99 feet you know that the sound that your regulator makes has changed. Everything changes little by little as you get deeper and deeper. And some of it is physiological and some of it is simply, uh, you know, the way your equipment works and some of it is cognitive or in your head. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a negative way. It's just simply psychological. If, if we, say, all right, so what can we do about this anxiety? I don't want to be the diver that gets under underwater and is swimming the wrong direction when the whole group is going north and I'm going south. And, and so what, what can we do in preparation to the dive during the dive, whatever it takes to build better skills around staying cognitively aware underwater. Well, pre-dive, there's a couple of things. First of all, long-term pre-dive, stay healthy, stay fit and healthy. Shorter term before the dive, stay hydrated and and well-rested, okay? The next thing is to relax, right? And it may be easier to said than done when you're on a big boat with a bunch of people, Um, But you may may need to sit down on the on the side of the boat with your gear and you may need to take a few minutes and just close your eyes and breathe and relax when you get to the uh, well one more thing about in in kind of that pre dive and and as a an early on kind of space uh, know your gear, right understand how your gear works and that this applies to the gear that you own or gear that you rent understand how scuba gear works. And if you have to rent gear, which is fine if you have to do it, um, you know, we try as scuba divers to own our own gear, but then you have traveling expenses and stuff like that, that make that, uh, sometimes a little less convenient and you may need to rent gear, but how does scuba gear work in general? It doesn't really change manufacturer to manufacturer. Uh, Now there are differences, You know, where's the, where, where where's an air release on, on this BCD versus another brand's BCD, you know, or, you know, how, where is the uh, purge valve on a specific uh, primary regulator, those things you need to figure out on a gear by gear basis. So whatever you've rented, whatever you've purchased, you need to understand how it works. Um, But you can't let that get you too stressed out because generally speaking, scuba gear works the same way every time. Okay. And, and so if you, uh, do good practices and, uh, well, when you buy your gear, obviously use it, learn it. And, and then if you can travel with it, but if you're renting gear, get it as early as possible before the dive and go through it. Understand, uh, first of all, well, this is not a gear, podcast. Well, maybe we should do a gear renting advice podcast sometime. We'll do that. But right now, um, get a feel for how that gear works and its condition. Okay. Enough said on that. The other thing to do is to write notes about the dive on a dive slate. That's going to go with you and remember where that dive slate is. Because if you, the, the more you write, the less you have to remember, right? So you can put down your turn time, your turn pressure, what direction the current flows, landmarks that you see, um, in case you get separated from your group. There's all kinds of things that you can put on a dive slate that will help you during the dive. Dive slates aren't just for writing something for for your buddy while you're underwater. That's one function of a dive slate, but they're also for recording things that are uh, important for a specific dive. One of the tricks I learned when I was doing my my technical dive training is to use, just use masking tape, uh, not masking tape, duct tape, white duct tape, and you can write on it with a Sharpie and put all that information on a dive slate. And maybe I'll do a, a tip for this sometime, but you can actually fold over the ends of the duct tape and layer it so you have different, uh, you can actually... Leave yourself quite a number of messages that way. So, um, anyway, write the notes for your dive on your dive slate, so you have less you have to remember. And then the other thing to to uh, to help you out is uh, your buddy on land might not match your buddy in the water. Okay, and what I mean by that is that you can you can be buddied up with. Someone, even someone you know. And when you all get geared up, people look very similar underwater because scuba gear is very similar. I mean, a lot of it, let's face it, a lot of it is black. And so you get underwater and everybody has a black suit on. Now you get a few feet away from somebody and then it's even harder to tell the difference. You go deep and you don't have light and it's harder to tell the difference you night dive. And it's even that much harder to tell the difference. So what you can look for is something on the diver that you're buddied up with that is unique pieces of equipment um, features. If they have long hair and you can see it out the back of their, their do rag or out the back of their mask, Um, some other characteristic, you know, what is it about their setup? that makes them look different. Do they have, uh, a pink tank banger on? Do they have, um, you know, is their wetsuit slightly different than everybody else's for some reason. And the, the trick to that is make sure it's not something like, Oh, they have a red stripe on because what light, what light do we lose first? Red. Right. So as soon as you get down 15 or 20 feet, that's gone. Right. But you can look for a physical feature on your dive buddy, that is unique to their dive rig so that you can keep track of them. All right. And then of course, the last thing you can do to really be prepared is to practice, right? So if you haven't been diving in a while, get in the pool. If you haven't been diving in a long while, get in a pool with an instructor, do an update, review your skills, either way, review your skills and make sure you're as comfortable as possible with your gear and with yourself before you get in the water. All right, let's move on to the gear junkies garage. Okay. I think I cut myself off there, but for the gears, junkie, gear junkies garage today, I wanted to talk about dive slates and, um, I'm going to see if I can do this for listeners listening at home. You're not going to see this. And so we'll go through a few dive slates that, um, just basically two types of dive slates that you might've seen. Um, this is gear I always carry with me. Every single dive. Um, you have these flat uh, dive slates that actually um, clip onto your BCD. And then you have wrist slates that go on your wrist and that you can ride on. So my personal preference is wrist slates because they take up less space, and they're not dangling off my BC, um, and but it's just a personal preference. That's what I like. These give you uh, a few layers. So you actually have one, two, three, four, five pages that you can write on because if you can see here, I don't know if my mouse is going to show up in the video or not, but this top piece, you can write on it and then you can actually flip that up and then you can write on the back of it and you can write on the front of the next piece and then you can write on the back of that next piece and the front of the last piece. So that's pretty awesome. You've got a lot of uh, space there where you can write notes for the dive for yourself and then still have a place to write, hey, look at this cool thing that I saw uh, for your dive buddy. So um, the other thing I wanted to show you here is the mechanical carpenter's pencil, which I replace the pencil that that comes with the dive slate every time I just replace it with one of these... uh, mechanical, uh, mechanical carpenter's pencils. They're tough. They, um, they work underwater just fine and they almost never run out of lead. So they don't, you don't have to worry about breaking the tip and not being able to communicate with your dive buddy. You could break this tip for an entire dive and still have enough lead to make sure your diver, your dive buddy has, you know, whatever safety information you might need to convey to them that's the, the, the gear that I wanted to cover today is just the, the different kinds of slates and the, the mechanical pencils. There is no right or wrong answer when it comes to slates. Although I think it's important to have a way to communicate with a dive buddy when symbols don't work. Most of the time we have signals that work for almost everything we need to say. Um, certainly everything we need to say in an emergency, but There are times uh, I've, I've always been glad that I carry a slate. So that's that there are magnetic slates. I I've seen them. I don't use them. So there you go. I, I don't have enough information about them to tell you whether or not they're, they're worth looking at. Maybe I'll do a, uh, an analysis of those sometime. Okay. Let's look at the tip of the week. So the reason the tip of the week this week is to dive within your training. And this came up for me because I was scrolling through YouTube, uh, looking at, uh, scuba diving videos. And I came across a video of an instructor doing something they shouldn't have been. And of course that gets played on YouTube a lot and then they get trolled and all of that. So fine. But you know, what it brought out to me is that the message of not diving outside your training is not it still needs to get hammered home. And so that's what I, I just want to encourage everybody. I, just do what you're trained to do and don't do what you're not trained to do. And if you're an instructor, you're not, that doesn't mean you're trained to do something else, right? You can be an open water instructor and not be in this case, a cave diver. Okay. You know, being an instructor does not qualify you for every kind of scuba diving under the sun or under the ocean or under the freshwater, whatever. So stay within your training when it comes to the things that we have training for, like gas types. You know, if you're not trained to use nitrox, take the class. It's probably the second or third class you should take, in my opinion because it is a great class to take and it, it not only helps with your understanding of gas management in terms of, and, and, the physiology of, of how, uh, oxygen and, and nitrogen are, are, uh, affect your body, but it also enhances your dives, your shallower dives. So you know, gas types, depth limits, we have them for a reason. And we need to, there's, you know, the nitrogen narcosis issue. In the case of, of uh, nitrox, you have potential oxygen toxicity issues. And of course, we have uh, depth limits uh, because the deeper you go, the faster you go through air. So there's a reason for those, those limits. And if you have a plan and you briefed something on the surface, you need to stick to that. And that usually will cover depth current. So understand the current of the, the environment. And if you're not comfortable doing a current dive, you know, say, so say, Hey, this is not for me, um, wreck diving, you know, for recreational divers, wreck diving is basically swimming around the boat, right. Or swimming around the plane or the bus or whatever it is that is wrecked on the bottom of the, on the bottom of the ocean or, or in the lake. Uh, cave diving, that's just a no go for recreational divers. So, you know, from, from the perspective of, of the scope of this podcast, we don't cave dive. That is not a, an indictment of the cave diving industry at all. I think it is the most cool thing. Um, but it isn't something that we're going to do as standard recreational divers or even recreational divers in general. And, and this whole concept of staying with your buddy, we don't solo dive. um, And we need to be close enough to our buddy. Uh, And, and so those are the, those are just, you know, that's kind of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to diving within your training, but you get the idea, think these things through. And if you weren't trained to do it, you probably need to at least step back and say, does further training need to happen before I do this? Um, you know, if you, if you weren't trained to do a night dive, can you still do a night dive? Yeah, of course you can. But you need to understand what that's going to mean and what's different when you're night diving than when you're diving in the normal environment. Are you going to dive in Tooth Reservoir here in town? You have no visibility. What's that going to mean to you? You know, you can be out in the middle of the reservoir and not even know it if you don't know how to navigate, so it matters. All right. And, uh, I guess the last thing I want to say about that particular thing is, um, don't be a dive buddy that goes somewhere where your dive buddy can't, you know, if you're an advanced open water diver and you're trained to go to a hundred feet, don't be the guy that goes to a hundred feet with a buddy. That's new right? That that's, it's just not cool. Just be a good dive buddy. Stay with, stay within the the limitations of the, the, the most restrictive dive buddy is the boss when it comes to training and comfort. If somebody says, Hey, I'm not comfortable. We have to respect that. So be a good dive buddy. All right. You can contact the show at uh, Steve at underpressurediveblog.com or updiveblog.com. Uh, you can visit uh, the website and see show notes at underpressurediveblog.com. Listen to the audio version of the podcast on your favorite podcatcher, uh, iTunes, um, Google Play, all those guys. Thank you for diving in here with me today on YouTube or listening to the audio program. On the left you're going to see a playlist of episodes of Under Pressure Divecast for your binge watching pleasure. Don't forget to subscribe at the bottom and at the with the button in the middle of the screen. The surface interval's over. Get out there and dive.